0: by sports interaction canada sports book hey there we go audio issues abound <laughs> it only took Super five and then six games to go in mm. all right welcome to game over edmonton this was game number six against the pittsburgh penguins i have my very special guest today kenny van phd hi everyone and boy, yeah, this is uh this is one heck of a game. I mean, matinee game against the St. Louis Blues. This was not this was a high event game. And uh boy, we are absolutely excited to bring it to you. I wanted to say, you know, quick recap. Campbell had to put the team on his back in the first the team showed some spine when McDavid went down with an injury. And then after an edge-of-the-seat game like that, I think we could all use a little bit of relaxation in the room. Maybe put on some some Vivaldi, some Mozart, maybe some Bach. But you know who else is back? Our friends at Sports Interaction. Want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction, Canada's sportsbook. Football continues. The World Series is around the corner, and they have dropped the puck. On the hockey season, bet pre-game, live, in-play, or on one of our many prop bets. Made for Canadians by Canadians. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com/sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com/sdpn. Ontario only. 19+. plus Please play responsibly. All right, Kenny, I think uh, not many people know about you here since you're just uh, one of my friends. I want to ask you, you've watched hockey for as long as I have. What's what's one of your best favorite Oilers memories growing up? Uh, what's your experience with hockey? You know, let us know. Give a little intro.
1: I'd be concerned if the audience knew who I was since neither one of us are famous in any kind of way. Uh, but I mean, I started watching Oilers run like the Ryan Smith era, um, especially in particular, like I think my, in my favorite hockey memory was the empty net miss during our playoff run that year uh i mean it didn't work out because we lost to carolina in the end and i think that that blooper has been played on like every top 10 top 50 top whatever list as like the biggest hockey gaffes ever and it was great to be on the receiving end of like oh something worked out for the oilers that year but you know, I think that's when I really became a fan. The city was buzzing when we made it deep in the playoffs and then everyone was heartbroken when it didn't work out. But, you know, afterwards we had a decade of darkness, give or take, and things are looking back up again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you know what? Talking back to that 06 playoff run, Elliot Friedman did predict Carolina Edmonton for the Stanley Cup final this time around. So what do you think about that? What do you think about this current Oilers team?
1: I am going to be entirely honest. Every time there has been a Stanley Cup playoffs bracket, I keep hoping that the finals will be Edmonton Carolina just for like a revenge tour, where Edmonton can finally win it in seven or less. Um, but I mean, this this iteration of the Oilers team is a lot more skilled than the than the previous playoff run or this team. That that team was more. Uh, I guess like using hockey terminology, gritty, you know, a lot of, a lot of dump pucks into the net have Ryan Smith work his magic. And then things somehow end up in there. I, I want to be honest, like I don't remember a lot about the Carolina team back then. The Carolina team back then has just been a, a dark spot. Yeah. It's just, it's just hasn't been a happy time for me, but like, I mean the current Carolina team, it feels like a team that will never give up. So it's definitely a team that I think will probably make, make it deep in the playoffs and, whether or not they'll do well on the East Coast remains to be seen. Because, I mean, it's only October. But they did they did great in the regular season last year. They didn't get as deep as I think a lot of people predicted. But, mm-hmm. you know, they have the pieces to get deep in the playoffs this year for sure.
0: Well, hey, you know what? There's some similarities out there. Carolina, we beat them. Pittsburgh, we beat them today. So let's, let's talk about this game. The biggest news story. McDavid in the second period. Going down the tunnel, all of oil country has their collective breath drawn. But right afterwards, I think the team, it almost like that kicked their butts into high gear. Uh Prior to that moment, I thought Kane was not physical. Leon, I know he's had a, still a good number of points this season. I, be, I believe five points. But he just didn't look like prime Leon. Um, Yamo, Pugliarvi. People looked good, but they didn't look like the Oilers that we thought they would be in the beginning of this year. And through that second period, they became it. They became the, the feared Oilers that everyone thought uh, they would be going into this season. Uh, we set a franchise record, actually, uh, 26 shots on goal in a period. Uh, that second period was the greatest Oilers period, I think I, we can say,
1: of probably all time um well at least uh, at least for the periods that we've seen i'm sure i'm sure a lot of old fans would argue that the 80s probably had better second periods but definitely at least in my recent memory um and, and like you said like the Oilers really were reinvigorated in the second period uh it was a shame that it had to come from one of our players getting injured and in particular, with david and you could really see that during the power play they were really pressing and then more in particular everything after the power play where they were keeping Pittsburgh trapped in their zone. We got a whole bunch of shots off, which is in stark contrast to the first period where we, we barely got anything going, right? Like passes weren't mm-hmm. connecting, shots weren't even really being made, or consistently made it into the Pittsburgh zone, lost the puck by essentially staying on the outside, and then Pittsburgh would push back the other way. And when you look at the shot totals from the first and the second period, they were basically flipped, right? Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh basically had 20 shots in the first period. We had a handful. It went the other way in the second period. So, you know, if the Oilers can play like the second period consistently, that would be amazing.
0: Well, here's the thing. It wasn't just a bit or a joke in the beginning. I thought Campbell actually had to hold this Oilers team in it for that first period. Uh, There's there's no arguing it. When you high stick a player, they're bleeding. Not to mention it's Sidney Crosby. You're going to go to the box. It's a bad penalty to take. I mean end of the day they didn't score on it but this Oilers team still is starting a little bit sleepy they're still giving other teams way too many opportunities that first period you're right the final shot total I had was uh, 20 to 9 and it was a complete flip opposite in that second 26 to 4 the third period I thought was relatively even Um, I didn't think that the Oilers Came down in intensity, but I think Pittsburgh definitely ramped up. What do you think
1: about that third period? Um, I think the third period, what might have been what fans on both sides might have expected for an Edmonton versus Pittsburgh matchup. You know, you have superstars and huge, huge powerhouses on both sides. And I think a lot of fans would have expected, oh, either the the goalies were gonna have terrible stats, unfortunately for them, or it's gonna be something like that where um the superstars are actually held two on one for example with 2d watching them and then you know uh, uh a less well-known player might be the ones potting shots and getting goals in because they're the ones who aren't necessarily protected mm-hmm. and maybe it could have been a tighter game but well you know good. i, I
0: you bring up a good point, honestly. Uh, Campbell left, ended up with nine twelve save percentage on this game, and Tristan Jari ended up having eight seven two. There's this weird phenomenon, and I know we talk about it uh, pretty commonly, where Oilers, whenever people come to play the Oilers in Edmonton, we always seem to trounce the big name goalies, like Markstrom, Jari. Demko, but at the same time, we lose. We make Vesna candidates out of like Eric Comrie.
1: Yeah, like I mean, one of the things that we saw, for example, during the Buffalo game, the third period, the Oilers really turned it on. They pelted them with, I think, was it twenty-four shots in the third period, and they were they were
0: hard shots, like followed up, pouncing on rebounds, just crashing in front of the net. Um, I think we ended up having one goal come in, I, I believe off Nuge on that final uh, Buffalo game. I believe but so, yeah. Yeah, too little, too late, right? This is the exact opposite. Um, rather than saying, oh, we're, we're chasing from three goals, uh, we were chasing from two this time. And it did take I McDavid mean, having that scare, having that injury. But I thought this was a, a team effort from that second period on. Leon, um, I thought Fogle played pretty well. Uh, Hyman's just an absolute beast all the time. Kane, this is, I think, Kane's best game of the season. Um, And even depth players like Derek Ryan, he took a pretty bad penalty uh, at the end of the game there, but right afterwards gets that break with uh, Devin Shore and still has the sort of game knowledge that, that eagle eye to realize that he has a trailer in Cloud and uh, just, just a beauty goal, beauty setup.
1: Um, what do you think about the depth in this game? I mean, the depth in this game doesn't necessarily show up on the score sheet, but in the third period, you can see that, like you said, Ryan McLeod, he potted one, but uh, we hit two crossbars as well with depth players in the third period, right? And a lot of the forechecking, keeping the, the, the Penguins stemmed in their own zone, that was like primarily done by some of our death players, which you know we may not have seen in the in the first period, even or even so much in the first half of the second period, where uh you know the oilers previously had a tendency to really rely on our first period where or sorry, our first line where first line, oh yeah. yeah, people kind of joke that if if McDavid and Fry either or in particular if McDavid didn't get points, the Oilers were gonna lose. Well, this is a game where McDavid didn't get a single point. Uh he won it. Pretty convincingly, uh, if we ignore the first period because you know that wasn't the best time. But you know we had some a lot of depth help in this game from our from our third and a third line. It's hard to call it a fourth line when we have eleven forwards. But
0: yeah, well, and this is the the other thing that was kind of scary. I, I do want to go back to that point um, of the personal battle that's always being told between Crosby and McDavid. But mm-hmm. you bring up a great point when we're playing eleven and seven, especially having. Not just McDavid, but Pooley-Arvey went down to the tunnel a little bit, too. You're suddenly down to nine forwards. And that almost, to me, seemed like it kick-started the blender for Jay Woodcroft. Uh We've been hearing a lot of Oilers fans. I I don't know if we want to call ourselves commentators, but my uh, co-host, Zach, Wheel, who's also in chat today. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, we've we've oft complained about this team looking like the Tippett era Oilers where after a little while we're not seeing results and Jay Woodcroft threw McDavid and Drysdale on the ice together that mm-hmm. didn't happen this time around uh, yeah we we just had a solid blending of lines until we found combinations that worked and towards the end of the game I, I don't think anyone played poorly I think uh, even you know Bit players like like Ryan and Shore, I thought they they were right around that cusp of like 10 minutes uh tonight.
1: Uh yeah, like I mean if we're looking at like <clears throat> on NHL.com, like Shore's at eight minutes and he's the lowest one on the team, right? Nima Linen's at nine, but everyone else is you know 10 to 15 minutes at the lowest. Mm. Um and then you even see like Kane's at 21 minutes, so he was an absolute workhorse today and mcdavid uh, despite being injured is also at 19. so i mean the the 11 and 7 sometimes like it's i find it a little bit concerning because over long stretches of time like people will get tired right right there's no way around that but like with workhorses like mcdavid with with yamamoto even like we have a lot of players who like like throw their body on the line they go hard Mm -hmm. every single game um nurse even during the playoff he he got like 30 minutes during some of those overtime games so when he had
0: hip flexor
1: issues yeah i don't understand how Mm -hmm. these guys can go that hard and then in two days later it's like yeah i'll play another 25 minutes fine so
0: So, yeah and uh just I, i wanted to to jump in there uh when it comes down to it, these guys do play really hard minutes. I was talking to um, one of our co-hosts, Avery, in the chat. Uh, we're joking that he's going to have to throw on some ice packs, salampas, whatever it is, because he's going to wake up with a real sore back. Um, great input from the chat here. Uh, Kenny, who would you start for our first road game against the Blues?
1: I think for the Blues, this is a like they're they're a tough team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's not going to be an easy win by any means, like at all. I think with like the hot streak that Campbell's on, he's like feeling himself right now. He's got a good save percentage. I, just, I think we can start Campbell against the Blues, um, and then as things go on, like I don't want to like look down on the Blackhawks. Like they've had a rough go lately. Maybe throw in Skinner for that one to give campbell a break because it is a back-to-back right you, you, yeah you, we can't go you can't go two goalies back like the same goalie back-to-back That's hey,
0: actually the blackhawks have been pretty good to start the year they, have been. they, they haven't been playing uh a one competition let's say but yeah they've, they've been pretty uh decent to start the year and i, I don't think uh you should overlook them but yeah. there's there's a lot of, um, it seems like an agreement in chat here. Um, the question was first proposed by MGD8862. Uh, uh, and then Zach replied that, yeah, he would go with Skinner. Um, it's hmm. a long season. He wants the goalies to stay healthy. You're right. That's that's certainly a consideration. Uh, MGD seems like he's in agreement as well. I think it's time for Skinner since Campbell had the last three games. But I'm with you. I think that this is a time to send campbell in not only because uh, almost of a a revenge tour story so to say uh, <laughs> i i want to see campbell play against the better teams the tougher opponents um i we're still waiting on the results today to see if the blues will be will remain defeated undefeated <laughs> so far in the season but I, I want to see Campbell against the tough competition. Skinner is still a backup. He's a very good backup. I've mm. spoken about before that he might be a 1B and not a backup, but I'd have much more confidence with Skinner in Chicago instead. Uh, some more comments here from MGD. Bush was 21 minutes tonight. What did you think about Evan
1: Bouchard? I mean, B- Bush has been uh, steadily improving throughout the past you know, the few seasons. Um, and one thing I actually would like to see from the Oilers would be to push bush on like power play one even. Right. Absolutely. Uh, nothing against Barry, but I feel like Bush has been playing well enough that he might actually warrant getting that time. I think this is his most
0: confident game that we've seen out of Evan Bouchard. Uh, he was dancing at the lines. He was just feeding passes through confidently with speed. Um, maybe it was because the, the momentum of the second period, but it felt like this was his best game, not just of the season, but probably as an oiler, it feels like, um, more, uh, more input here from Zach, uh, Leon and Connor have, uh, a lot of ice time and yeah. they frequently get a lot of ice time. So yes, they are a little bit more, um, used to that amount of effort, but, he brings up a good point. Holloway should be back by next game. We're hoping to go back to 12 and 6. Mm-hmm. If we do go back to 12 and 6, which defenseman would you cut? So there, yeah, there's, a, that's a there's tough some one. tough ones.
1: Right. Like, I mean, our, our it, it basically kind of comes down to do we want to cut Nimalainen or Murray, I think. It's like either one of those two. Because <laughs> like everyone else um, has been playing almost like a step above them right yeah. um and even in ice time like it's it's on power like on penalty kills we can't ignore kulak cc or or i mean nurse isn't on the penalty quite as kill my, quite as much but he's like he, like he's at the our top d-man along with bouchard so and then Barry's almost always on our, our, our power play so it just becomes yeah murray neiman line and mm-hmm. chat seems to be favoring murray but same you here
0: know. you know i think it's for me it's no question I would cut Murray. There's some There's some times this early on this season where Murray has surprised me. He has weirdly soft hands. Uh, I know Oilers Twitter loves the fact that he has an amazing tan, but I think that Murray just at times is a little too aggressive. I feel like there are certainly times when Nima Leinen shows his youth um, pinching a little bit too much, but... I think Niemalainen started to up his physicality again. He's really gotten used to being uh, the guy. And I think he might be, until uh, until Philip Broberg comes back, he might be the sixth man. Uh, even though tonight, he
1: played technically less time than Murray. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Chet chat has a great point here where, like, Niemalainen is the bigger body, right? And and the Oilers really don't have that many huge players that, that are willing to throw their body around.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Although, think... like uh, uh, like uh, ignoring the big body thing, we mm-hmm. we do have a few players on the team. Despite their size, are entirely willing to run at people at like full speed. Like Fogel, Yamamoto, McLeod, like they're they're all fine with just building up speed and trying to remove someone from the puck, despite them not always being the bigger guy.
0: Yeah, the um, the third line with Fogel, McLeod, and Pugliarvi, that's a big boy line. <laughs> they they crash and bang. They've had so much uh, ozone pressure. There was a brief period of time late in the first period where they switched Pugliarvi up to the first line uh, with Yamamoto down to the third, and I thought he played pretty well. But obviously, I think there's some natural chemistry going on between the three of them. I'd like to see a little bit more of um, Cloud, Fogel, and Yama, er, and uh, Pugliarvi. But in terms of the defense, we do have... There's, there's a difference, right? Between being big on the forecheck <laughs> and being big on, on the blue line. Being big yes. on the blue line allows you to just stand up, guys. Uh, and that's something that Lining can do, Nurse can do. Um, Kulak to a degree, but at the same time, like smaller guys like Murray, like Barry, they have a tendency to just get walked. So we have more comments here from Zach. What changes would you make to the PK? Because whatever they're doing isn't working. We There's two parts to that. There's the fact that PK has been relatively tested more more than you'd like to see uh, this this year. Mm-hmm. But after, you know, after that injury, we had um we had some big shuffles on the PK as well. Uh, I saw Murray Nimalainen out together once. Uh, Shore Fogel was out once. Uh, what do you think about the
1: penalty kill? The penalty kill for the Oilers has been like an interesting situation. Because the like I mean the Oilers penalty kill have tried things like like a previous year where they had Nujat there as like mm-hmm. almost like a facilitator. And then they had someone that would usually pressure the, the puck carry. And that would be Yams, McLeod, sometimes even Vogel. Um I don't know if there's like a, a silver bullet solution to this, just because the way our team is built, um that's kind of I think how we should approach it, where we have like a facilitator, you know. A mm. Nuge type player, and then someone to pressure like a, a McCloud type player, but we don't also want to like overload our offensiveness almost because the Oilers have a bad habit of oh we get the puck let's rush let's kind of counterattack. When it works, it's fantastic, but when it doesn't, then we have three players in deep, but mm. it comes back the other way and it's an odd man rush or, or two on one or three on one on the penalty kill, and our 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 goalie has to stand on his head to prevent a great a chance on the other team right right um, at
0: the rush against yeah travis brings up a great point uh there was a period of time when mcdavid and kane were on the penalty kill uh hmm. dry is commonly on the penalty kill to take face-offs uh, yeah nuge is out there like you said but you're right you'd prefer to see guys like derek ryan you prefer to see guys like devon shore because when you have your best players, like you mentioned, playing penalty kill, you tend to see more rushes and and chances into the offensive zone, leading to big swings back. Uh, I I thought that this game was one of those prime examples where the Oilers like to play the style of their opponent and beat them at it. Mm. It didn't work against St. Louis. Both teams played really well defensively, but St. Louis was just a little bit better. And yes, there was the the power play goal. But in this game, Pittsburgh wasn't really playing a, a real lockdown solid defense. They were trading chances early. And Edmonton is better at doing that. So it seems like when they played that type of game, they absolutely smoke the Penguins tonight.
1: You know, thinking about it, I think one of the main things about our penalty kill might actually be on the coach's side. Like- how how much respect the other team actually gives to our offense, right? Um, because a lot of teams will always fear McDavid. And let's say we put like Drysaddle Kane or McDavid Kane out mm. there, or even like McDavid Pujarvi on like the PK, for example. There's like that intangible pressure where McDavid will almost always pull two players, right? Mm. And, but that's if they respect that offensive prowess where – Oh, if the if we're on the if we're on the power play, we mess up. McDavid goes the other way with one other person. It's it's like a it's a it's a pretty easy chance, you know. But if they if they just don't respect that, then then it could get real dangerous, right? Because yeah.
0: You, know? you, you don't want your best players out there, especially on the penalty kill, blocking shots. Right? Yeah. That's another big thing. Uh, a huge part of the penalty kill is laying down the body, and mm-hmm. you don't want—I don't, I don't even know if it's maybe it's in their contracts—you don't want McDavid blocking shots. You don't want no. Trusital blocking shots. Uh, we have some bots in chat. Um, paging Robert. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, we uh, we get that taken care of, guys. But. All in all, I think just to wrap up this game, um, it was, I think, the best game the Oilers have played all season. Um, Carolina, Vancouver, those were the two games that we won. Uh, what do you think?
1: I think this was the best game that the Oilers played for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, The second period was like probably the best period that the Oilers have played. Um, I'd argue that maybe the St. Louis game, the third period might have also been contender for some of the best period of hockey that they played just because of the amount of pressure they exerted, right? Like, I mean, just because we didn't score doesn't mean it was necessarily a bad period. The goalie played amazingly that game. But I would think that if any team like the Oilers could pelt a goalie with 20-something odd shots with that many grade-A chances in front of the net, one or two are bound to go in. So, you know, second period of this game, third period of the St. Louis game, I think those are like great examples of what peak Oilers could do.
0: Great point. Yeah. When the Oilers are on, they're on and you're right. That third period in St. Louis against St. Louis was very, very good. Uh, we're just about out of time here, but we do have a little tradition here. Um, at the end of the broadcast, just want to bring out one point. You have one point that you can say without challenge, without contention, uh, I can go first so you can have a little bit of time to think about it if you like. Okay. <laughs> the Oilers were absolutely dominant, not just on all the aspects that we talked about. They were also very dominant on the on the face-off dot. And that's not something that we typically get to talk about, uh, since we know that McDavid's about a 50%er. Nuge is underneath that. Our best face-off man is Dreisaitl. But we have a pretty solid, uh, center depth here and guys like, I mean, even Derek Ryan's taking face-offs, Devin shore can take face-offs. Even Hyman can do some t- faceoffs. Uh, today we were at the end of the second period, 60% on the faceoff dot. And now that equalized a little bit to 55%, but I think that's, that's one of the subtle things that this team can improve on. And, it was very important to what I think this victory was today.
1: Mm, okay. You're going uh, in, in regards to the Oilers, at least I think it would really be beneficial for the Oilers to actually come up with slightly different power play plans, like early in the season, our, our current plan of, you know, McDavid, Nuge, Drysaddle, Kane, or, or in this case, you know, we, we, or I guess like four powerhouses out there, whether it's Kane or it's, or it's Hyman or, or who, what have you. Um, and then Barry in the back works consistently early in the season. But as we noticed last season, teams start to figure out certain ways to get around that. I think that the Oilers should try to figure out slightly different ways to score during the power play, where it's not just like the prettiest goal in the world. You know, it touched all five players goes in in 15 seconds. I really think like having a big body like pool out there with like hyman the like grinding down kind of thing um might be really beneficial
0: absolutely agreed you know just to touch on it as well there was uh one of our later power plays where you could clearly see that pittsburgh was waiting for the drop pass back to mcdavid but Nuge. Took that opportunity and just went in off of the sideboards. He was just trying to drive as deep as he could. And I thought that was great recognition. Um, we don't have time to talk too much about Nuge, but uh this was a fantastic game. Thank you so much for coming on today, bud. No problem. No problem. So we will be back on Wednesday when the Oilers visit the St. Louis Blues. That's a 6 p.m. puck drop. And that's going to be the first game where you'll have a podcast hosted by Avery afterwards. So be sure to tune in. Be sure to like, leave a comment, and subscribe to the channel if you like the content. That's it for us today. Thank you so much for watching, guys. And hey, play La Bamba, baby. Bye-bye.